A little prophetic there, by the way, with uh, Kevin O'Connell, because that cut was taken uh, post-Vikings game, referencing the injury to Irv Smith and and his tight end group. And then he made a comment about that group, and we're going to get, you know, just we got uh, weapons that we're going to give him. And then today the news breaks, as you just heard uh, moments ago, with, with Paul Allen and Adam Schefter and everybody that, that had to tweet it out. So, indeed, uh, the, the Detroit Lions have, have traded tight end TJ Hawkinson to a divisional rival in, in the Minnesota Vikings. Busy show. Good to have you on board today on a Tuesday. The Jack Michael Show, Derek Hansen, Brad Anderson. Coming to you from the Gunderson's Jewelers uh, Studio, OMG. Oh, my Gundersons, make it easy to say I do with a custom-designed wedding ring. Gundersons Uptown in Maine, West Fargo, or Gundersons.com. Derek and Brad, it's funny, you know, whatever league you're in, and, and take it, say, the American Association, and you make a deal, rare is it that you'd maybe make a trade with Winnipeg if you were fargo Moorhead, sort of like for a pitch. You know, it happens, but you don't really look to that early on. NBA, sometimes, you know, we see within divisional, you know, trades made and all that. Football is a funny thing where it even when you make divisional deals, it resonates. It, it seems to resonate even a little bit more, uh, Derek. But you know what? Uh, your boy is not not afraid to make some deals within the division. <laughs> well, when we're doing the draft party, when you and I were doing the Remember draft party, that? we were like, "What is going on? He's making a deal with the Lions and the and the uh, Packers, Packers to get the wide receivers they want, right? Yep. Mm-hmm. So they don't let that haunt you." And there's unknowns there, right? The Lions are having a good draft. They're trying to improve. You sure. know, all that. The Packers are the Packers. And you're like, what the heck? To me, this is more of a, listen, we're going in one direction. Because in baseball, you'll see it where people within the division, if you have buyers and sellers, because you, you can look at the standings. Yes. We're going to purge our guys. We'll, and that's we'll, kind of yeah. what this was to me. I think the Lions, they need to get more guys for the future. You trade away a second and third round pick and, and all that. I don't think it's a... I don't think it's a bad move. I know a lot of people say, oh, a second, third round pick. Well, you look at a guy like, you know, Lewis Seen, who's a high pick. How are they squeezing this in the cap, though? I don't know. I, I don't know how they the work. question that. that needs to be. I would yeah, say for the rest question. of this year, I think the Lions probably eat a lot of the that's, salary. That's I guess that would probably be it because I think that's that, what but the, the details. You're right. The right. details in this is they're going to come out. Yeah. I, I would get. That, I guess that would be the answer is that the Lions are going to pay to get these picks. That's how they're going to get the the salary is going to be that's, paid by the Lions. That would make sense. Yeah. So they'll pay the you know TJ Hawkinson to get three touchdowns against them later this year. Is that <laughs> possibly could he be? I mean, well maybe you heard us crazier things happen, but. I just think you have two uh, franchises going in a different direction, and I think that's why you make this deal within the season it's and not a, worry about what division you're in. And hey, Hawkinson's killed the Vikings before, so at least you don't have to worry about him later in the season, and he's a good target for Kirk Cousins. You know though. how old TJ is, by the way? 25 years old. Uh, I mean, he's got... I was I was thinking he played against the Bison, but he redshirted in 16. Redshirt, yeah. 25 years old, 26 receptions this year, 395 yards. And three touchdowns in seven games. So, <laughs> it, it, something I was mentioning to to the Doctor Quinn Medicine Man who stopped by to first. He's part of our, our crew down the hall here. And Madison's a big Vikings fan. He kind of peeked his head in the door. He goes, "I think the Vikings have just traded for T.J. Hawkinson." So we we're like, "Really?" And then got into that. The other part of this, Derek and Brad, is is the the other intangible. So Derek had mentioned the the Lions are getting a. A 2023 second round pick and a, and a, four, a third round pick in 24. And the Vikings get a fourth round selection in 23 and a conditional uh, fourth round pick in 24. And, and Hawkinson. Is 
You get a 25-year-old guy that has a lot to offer, that has already shown some success, and he goes from a 1-6 last-place team to a 6-1 first-place team at the juncture in which he does it. Derek and Brad, you tell me. And again, he's one man. He's part of uh, you know 11 on that offensive unit. But I like what. What else does it tell you? Does it say anything about Irv Smith? Does it say anything about that room? Does, what is it? What else? Because I like the part that you know, Hawkinson. He's going to come there and just bust his you know what for Minnesota to make this thing even better. Well, uh, Texter says Hawkinson is on a rookie deal because yeah, I think I, I was digging around looking. They were talking about the Lions were talking about potentially extending him. So not a huge cap hit as of now. No. Yeah, like there you go. I just got a uh, message from a friend too. It's like five hundred grand this year, and then more will come ooh, next year. Ooh, It'll nothing, fill so. up a little bit yeah. more next year. So they can they can tweak with the cap next year a little more. Yeah. Uh, I think it tells you that the Vikings are sick of Irv Smith being hurt all the time. Well, and I do think they need depth there. You know, I thought T.J. Conklin was a good backup. Tyler Conklin, Smith yeah. got, or Tyler Conklin, he did a pretty, pretty good job. So you know, that, that is going to be one of these things that you have to look at here is where they're at and and uh, where the future is. So, I mean, Irv Smith may not come back. I think that you know, it could be good for Ben Ellison down the road. Too bad he's got one more game to miss, and hopefully you know Ben can get back and right. be that blocking tight end that they're hoping for too. I think – Mont's one of those guys where he's good, but he's not great, right? He's just kind of a serviceable lunchbox type of guy. And and but Hawkinson's the type of guy who's. You know, it looks like, and ironically, it comes out just eight weeks is what they're looking like now with Irv Smith. So yeah, for a high ankle sprain, multiple Holy weeks. Cow. Yeah, that was the early indication. Is that what you're seeing too, Derek? Yeah, I just, just saw like multiple. Up. So yeah, that's uh, oof, daddy. You wonder if uh, a certain fullback. Well, they well they use them mostly a fullback. If they a fullback tight end type in North Fargo that. Uh, You'd fit that bill for somebody, <laughs> Mr. Lipke. Yeah. Oh. Just saying. Hawkinson, uh, man, his numbers are fantastic. This yeah, he's good. Just a nice get. For, that's, a, that's a very good get. If you're a Vikings fan today, it's just a nice get for, for Minnesota. Uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, we'll see what they roll on that. The uh, Day one of the draft, Vikings, when they acquire the uh, 12th pick for the Vikings and grabbed who? Jamison Williams, I think is what uh, we were talking about. So, yeah, it's all good. Viking fans, there you go. I'm not going to say the rich get richer because nobody is putting the Minnesota Vikings in Philadelphia's class this year. But I'll tell you, they're six and one with the largest divisional lead of any division in the National Football League. You've just added a tight end, and I know the schedule, Derek. You broke down some of that, and Brad, yesterday. It it gets a little choppier as the waters go, but it should get choppier as it goes on. Uh, you really got to like what Minnesota's sitting, like it all. Yeah, well. Washington, this is an interesting game. This is not going to be a gimme by any means coming up against the Commanders on Sunday. And then you got the big Buffalo game the follow the following week, which is hard to believe that's going to be buried at noon. I mean, I, I don't know. I don't think the Sunday night game is bad enough where they want to flex it already. But I mean, that's a that's a huge noon game. Right, did you did you, by the way with the, with the trade? Obviously, it's a big day in the NFL today. Um, did did you did you expect like maybe you did because Brad you were talking about the Irv Smith and you talked about the injury so maybe you thought tight end I thought maybe they would address or or, or maybe look at maybe some secondary action for Minnesota you know on, on the defensive side of the ball but you know it is what it is Monday Night Football did you guys catch it last night not much of it no. uh, none actually for a man that uh, in, in and again it's fantasy but for a man that had Burrow Chubb Mixon and I needed a few points. First half came in, and I entered the coaches' show last night, and I was doing a little, you know, you know, watching the trick and treaters and getting all that. And I'm like, man, this is an ugly game. There's no points in it. Like, Chubb's not getting anything done in the first half. Mixon's not. Burrow's just 
you can't stand upright for more than a second and a half against Cleveland's defense. And then, then of course, water seeks its level and Nick Chubb rushes for 100 and gets two touchdowns. But Cleveland and Cincinnati, it didn't quite uh, jump off the page last night. Let's just say that. No, no, it was – well, and it's a game that Cincinnati really needed. You know, they just have been kind of – I think most people thought the Bengals would come out and win and, you know, the, that uh, – the Browns aren't in a good situation, and so that was kind of a surprising ending, I think, for a lot of people. They can't be Cleveland. Yeah, it's it's, it's weird. Yeah, Burrow has never beat the Browns. Isn't that strange? Isn't that odd? I heard that yesterday too, and I went, "Wait a minute, what?" No, it I is. mean that's a beatdown that that much on the road, and I just thought that would be the one to be over, overcome. So maybe the we've had a lot of teams lose the Super Bowl and have a hangover the next year, and I don't know if Cincinnati's going to fall into that category or not. It certainly looks like they could be. I uh, today's show, by the way. Um, I got. How about you want some good coaching minds and 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 guys that have been around? How about Kevin Feeney with Warhead Spuds and of course collegially Kevin put up some nice numbers in his career at North Dakota State and got his boy and a, a quarterback for for North Dakota. Kevin Feeney, the Warhead Spuds head coach, joining us today, and uh, Ron Wingenbach, head coach of, of Century High. And you want to talk? Here's a, here's a program that has enjoyed. Ample success. Nobody feels. Nobody was feeling sorry for Century High when they were losing games this year because they have. They were not like Duke and Duke and trading places that cornered the orange juice market or tried to. But they've had a large amount of success. And just when you're ready to write them off as the eighth seed, they go on their own and, and pick off a big win against the one seed in in, in class eleven two a. So Ron Wingenbach joining us. So now. You know, what's that left? So we're getting a little bit inside there, and I know that we're going to address them because we've got high school games this week on both sides. So we'll try to cover both. But uh, Kevin Feeney at, at 20, and then uh, Ron Wingenbach around uh, 1240 today. And i got a question, uh, not to do with any of that. How many times have there been arrests in sport for something that has happened on the field or on the ice or in a tunnel, or in a locker room. Can you guys, uh, uh, Brashear, with, with, with the hockey thing, you know, hockey sometimes you see almost in a, a hit so bad that the local province or county. That happened to Dino Cicerelli back in the uh, yes. late 80s, I think he spent some time in the Pokey. Didn't up in- uh, Henry Boucher, was it the D? Henry Boucher? Or Henry Boucher, Boucher. Yeah. Boucher uh, seven, Henry Boucher. In the seven, yeah, it was a Dave Forbes just about took his eye out with a stick. And I yeah, think they pressed char- I think they pressed charges. And that was at the I Met Center, yeah. A long yeah. time ago. I don't know the answer to that question, but I'm glad you guys brought it up. I don't know if anything off the top of your head, because this, Derek, I hadn't seen the, I'll be honest, I hadn't seen the Michigan-Michigan State thing. It's pretty nasty. Man alive. Harbaugh. You know, Michigan State suspended their players. Uh, but uh, Gamon Green, uh, who was just, uh, I guess, attacked, and uh, Jaden McBurrows attacked when he tried to help out uh, Green in the tunnel in Michigan's uh, uh, stadium. And you got four Michigan State guys that have been suspended and, and the thing, but but Harbaugh's calling for – one of them has hired a, a, an attorney. Yeah. Well, it was, it was totally – I mean, that was – it was total. It was a gang on like two. I mean, that, and that was bad. And, and not that, fun and, to watch. No, it not was, at yeah. all. It was very uncomfortable to watch, and you know, very uncontrolled there at that situation. So obviously, they're going to have to figure out something down in the future. But it was no doubt an assault. I mean, it was about ten on one, two. It was no, I'm bad. going back to the the malice the malice at the palace. Yeah, yeah, that's true. With too. Our test because there were fans, oh, oh, oh. fans and players involved in that. Uh, Indiana and the charges Pistons. filed right. Uh, yeah, there was legal charges, yes. 
Did anything ever happen with the uh, Kermit Washington, Rudy Tomjanovich? I mean, they almost oh, killed there, was there ever job. charges? Because that was that was a scary deal, and, and that was fr- that was horrendously done. I remember because it is weird. To your point. You can't just randomly assault people like in a bar or because whatever. it's like you're sporting. But many you're times pads within the arena, we let it happen, right? I mean, think about hockey. <laughs> it's just you just the, the the officials sit there. There's police in the building going, right. "Yeah, this is part of the deal. Yeah, this is kind of yeah. We'll back off right. until someone grabs and then okay, right. the fight's over." Yeah, the Cicerelli thing I think was a stick or something like that too. But um, no, it's it's very it's great calling the Tom Janovich one. I remember years after that, as my brother played college baseball in Southern California, we went down to watch a San Diego Clippers game, by the way, where I got an autograph from Slick Watts, and I was just a youngster, and I went, man, I'm as tall as Slick Watts. But anyway, that's a great get, Derek, and I can't imagine there weren't charges filed, but maybe there maybe there wasn't. Yeah, with I, with Tom Janovich and Kermit Washington. Yeah, it's that was about as violent of his hit. Well, you think about it, to this Golden State thing. You know, the practice, we've seen the video, and we haven't had San Francisco police come in and arrest uh, Dermont Green, and they could have, because right. that was an assault of assaults. I don't, uh, I, I'd imagine that question, uh, has there You're ever been about, Dino, about Dino Cicerelli. Yes. Yeah. January 6, 1988, game at Maple Leaf Gardens. Cicerelli attacked, then Maple Leafs, Maple Leafs rookie defenseman Luke Richardson with his stick. Was convicted of assault, fined a thousand dollars, and spent hmm. one day in jail. Yeah, I remember he went in the poker. There you go. Yep, I remember that very well. But. Got a text text in says fictional, the Hansons. Well, yeah, yeah, that that certainly. Uh, if you go to slap shot, yeah. Well, yeah. hockey is the one I think where okay, we'll let you fight. Yeah, but you start using weapons like your stick or whatever, then it's going to cross the line, and I think that's happened more in that sport. Because did the did Martin McSorley's assault? I mean, literal assault on. Donald Bashir, I don't know if that ever yeah, went to actual... Because that's what comes to my mind. With with an actual arrest, but I do think he was suspended for like the rest of the season or something like that. Yeah, I just don't know if there was a charge on but that. But that was in the 90s, and it was more oh, or less... Was his, that 90s or in like late 80s? It was one of those things where... Uh, Hang on. He, he just was a guy... You know, oh, uh, 2000. Was it 2000? Wow. His on-ice assault of Donald Bashir with his stick led to McSorley's suspension and eventually... Eventually retired. That was pretty much it for him in the NHL. But no charges. Well, it's because someone, you know, it was the first time he ever really lost a fight that bad, and then mm-hmm. he couldn't get over it, and that's and so he took a stick after him. I don't think there's been any baseball ones, but uh, this this Michigan State thing, this, this is not the last you'll hear of that. And there are going to be some loss. Harbaugh, hey, you know, like Jim Harbaugh or not, he came out and I thought his he was pretty poignant on his uh, on his pressure and that. But that just blew me away today because I was I, I saw some of the headlines on that, but never watched it. And Derek, there's there's two camera angles. I think ESPN had one, and then then there was one that that I think ABC had that was really more clear from an elevated yeah. angle. And that one looked it looked like a, it looked like a like a like a attack like like something you'd see in an alley in downtown and you know wherever. That was bad. So anyway, there's my question of the day. I know it's not a cheery question for the text club, but anything that comes to mind of an incident that, that brought charges in the field of sport, locker room, field, ice, court, uh, I think we've hit a lot of them. Uh, Kevin Feeney coming up around the corner. Ron Wingenbach today. I love talking uh, uh, to these guys about uh, that. And the college football playoff rankings. Tonight at uh, 
Six o'clock, seven o'clock. I think we're going to see. I believe oh, the real one, yeah, the the, the, uh, the one that where really doesn't gets, matter up right, until the day right, after, uh, right, right? The Sunday of Thanksgiving weekend, where yes. thirteen people, as I see the story, sequestered around a table for a day and a half, trying to sort out what college football fans have been arguing at for, for weeks. So we'll see how to. In Georgia and Tennessee this week, by the way. Yeah, that's kind of big. That's a, a large one. Quick timeout. We'll come back around the corner. Lots to get to. A Tuesday edition. The Vikings have Hawkinson. That is it, the last piece, and they're on their way. Well, let's not get ahead of ourselves. We're back with more after this right here on 740 The Fan. Bumper to bumper. They clamor for the other guy just because he'd be different. But you're right. I've been through it before. Everybody wanted a shiny new toy. His name was Tim Brewster. Mace in your face. Weekdays, 3 to 6.30 p.m. on 740 The Fan. It is known as the, well, I guess the Bible of basketball in the state of North Dakota. Dear friend, the late Don Hanson, of course, now that is a labor of love for the family. Perry and company have taken over. And if you've wanted any information on basketball in the state of North Dakota, I'll guarantee you the last 20-plus years you went to a book called The Hoopster. And, in fact, from a broadcaster standpoint, and Brad can back me up on this, you're probably not going to see a broadcaster in his bag or her bag without the Hoopster probably shoved in there somewhere and the pages folded over and and, and bookmarked and all that. Because why? Well, it is. It it really is the Bible. It's the encyclopedia. It's it's, it's where you go to to find out information on teams and players and rankings and stats and leaders and rebounds and scoring in college and junior college and high school. The Girls and Boys book will be out this week. That's right. The Hoopster Girls and Boys Basketball and how their year is going to go for all of those. Those books are available at Shields and at Barnes & Noble. Get yours today and this week. The Hoopster, available at Shields and Barnes & Noble. If I'm not mistaken, this song was by a group called New Shoes, and it came out far before Kevin Feeney was just tearing up the gridiron fields. Or maybe it was in Kevin's there. Kevin Feeney, head coach, dear friend of the program and uh, coach of the Moorhead Spuds, joining us today. Uh, Kevin, you weren't uh, dancing at prom at, at BHS to New Shoes, weren't you? By Was that was that part of your thing? Oh, there it is. <laughs> there, I think we have Kevin now. How, how you doing, buddy? I'm doing great. Hey, I think that was more my elementary school. Day. Yeah, that's I figured, true. I figured as much. I thought that was a, a little bit before that. Uh, like Carl You're probably Gray. doing the funky cold Medina like we were, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> it's a, log. That's yep. a great call. Kevin, congratulations. I know the the run is, is uh, you're, you're in the thick of it right here, man, but... Uh, you know, it's not easy to navigate. Talk a little bit about uh, about the play so far, and obviously a huge section title game coming up uh, this weekend, Kevin, but you got to be pleased with the way the guys are playing right now. You know we are. It, it's been a challenging season, no doubt. It, it's, you know, been, it's been uh, some ups and downs, which, which isn't uncommon in the high school world, but, you know, we've been bitten by the injury bug and, and just have a lot of new guys out there, and it took us some time, and um, you know, fortunately for us, um, we, we were challenged big time at the end of our season with a really, really good opponent. Um, and then we, we were able to get the two seed, and that was huge for us because it got us to buy in that opening round, and it kind of gave us a chance to regroup after the last month of our season and, and really kind of reset. And I really think that that was a big part of the success that we had against Alexandria in a phenomenal football game in our section semis on Saturday. Love to see it, and uh, and it is a, is a large deal too. And I know you've got such a strong support 
uh, by the fan base and, and the community here of, of Spuds football, too. And to, and to have that game doesn't guarantee anything, right, Kevin? But but certainly to have it at home and Sartell a good opponent, I imagine Friday night, uh, the fur's going to fly a little bit, huh? No doubt. You know what? And, and it was this kind of, I think, in everybody, every one of our coaches' minds, I really felt like that we had opportunities when it was all said and done to get into this game. And you know what, as the season was shaken out, the section I, I believe was wide open. And so, you know, it, uh, it didn't shock me that Sartell won. We kind of had them etched early in the season that they would be a team that would be around when it's all said and done because they've got a quarterback that is a coach's kid and um, he's an extremely high level competitor. And, and at every level, high level quarterbacks keep their teams around. And, and the beauty of high school football I say it over and over again. When you get to this time of year, it's the one sport where you hang up the pads, it's over. You know, a lot of other sports, you can play old man, basketball, baseball, hockey, everything. But when you hang up the pads, it's, it's over for football. And, um, you know, I think we saw our team kind of play like that in our last section game, and we saw the same thing out of Sartell. So it's going to be a heck of a battle. I love that uh, you reference a quarterback who's a coach's kid who would know better uh, than you on both ends of that spectrum, by the way, too. is that Humor me for a second, Kevin, and haven't followed you for many years and know the story on that. But for those that don't, is it tough? Is it is it easy to be the son of a coach? Then you're at the helm, you've got the keys, you're driving to drive the car, or a father as a coach with a son as a quarterback. <laughs> Tough. What's that like, Kevin? Because not everybody experienced that, and you've had both ends of it, obviously. It's extremely special. I, you know what? I, that, that's the reason I'm in the high school game right now is because of having the ability to play for my father and the experience that I had with them. And, um, you know, after going through it as a parent with Trey, um, I, I wouldn't trade it for the world. I, I had so many special memories with Trey, and, you know what? His his season in 2020 uh, was just magical, other than the COVID part of it. Right. But uh, we had a special, special team. And you know, in 2019, that's kind of where we started to really make our run for the 2020 season because of the way we were playing at the end of that year, and specifically the way Trey and the offense and defense were all just coming together. Um, it, it was really, really neat. And you know what? The part that you you kind of forget when you have your kid or for example, when I was playing for my dad, is, is you have built-in position meetings pretty much 24-7 the entire season, which you can't replicate that <laughs> right. in any other situation. I'm sure. And talk about the kids you know, who learned from that, because I, I, as you know from my hometown – they talk about that season still. That you know what could have been, should have been. You know, and I think you know a little bit about the, about the background there. And it's to these seniors this year, they're not taking anything for granted. Is that the same case with the spuds? No doubt. You know what? In, in our group of seniors, like you're saying, they were sophomores, and so they witnessed what high level preparation would look like. What um, you know, real attention to detail and practice and energy and all those things that are required. For playoff football they, they saw it and they they saw it kind of each and every week because we never knew when it was going to be over and so I, I really think that this group of seniors you know specifically for us we've got a large class um, kids that have seen the success and and certainly we didn't feel like we played up to our abilities all season long but you know what the one thing you got to look at is is obviously you put in Sartell in this category but our two out-of-district games, Rogers and Elk River, are both competing for section titles this weekend also. And so, you know, with the experience that we have with really good football teams, um, we know that the level of play that we're going to need to play at against Sartell to be successful. 
even though you lost four in a row to end the regular season, just kind of looking at the section, you kind of you kind of referred to this with Sartell. If you just felt like, you know what, if we can just get into this thing and the fact that, you, you know, you, you got to buy, that gave you a few extra days. But you just felt, even though you came into this thing, what, three and five into the section, you felt you still felt like you could win the thing? You know what? So, so it's crazy is Sartell kind of started, let's say, the slide that we had a little bit. And I knew Sartell was a really good football team. And their, their record at that time didn't replicate what we thought they were, actually. And so, you know what? You put them in the section championship game. Then the following week, we play at Elk River. And they're the number one ranked team in the state. And they're, they're certainly the number one ranked team in their section. And then we go on the road and play at Stock Rapids, who is an undefeated section eight team that was the one seed in our section. And then we follow up by in a short week playing Rogers who has as good a physical team as there is in five, a football. And, and we feel like both Elk river and Rogers are going to make a deep run into this playoff. And so if the gauntlet that we were just in the way the schedule was set up, um, if we could just get to the playoffs relatively healthy, we felt like we could put some things together and you know what? I wouldn't say our health is, is in a great position, but on the same token, we've, we've been finding ways and, and kids have stepped up and, you know, perfect example, Abel Carfier, the young man that got the interception in the end zone to seal the win for us, hasn't played a lot of football. Our secondary was depleted with injuries throughout the game and, and really the back half of this year and goes in and makes a huge play. And he, he's such a great kid and such a hard worker. And I said, shoot, man, it, it's crazy how things work out for kids like that. Well, and then you had a, a 6A team that you had to play too. And Brandon Wright, who had one of the best teams in the state in 6A, still were on the ropes for about three quarters last Friday. This has been quite a gauntlet yeah, you for know, you. I was texting actually with Jason, their head coach, this morning. And, you know, they, they were a 5-3 and three football team and a real quality football team. And and, that, and that's what I'm saying is I, I think we are battle-tested. I, I think there's challenges when you play teams like that that are extremely physical. Um, and, and we are beat up a little bit. But um you know what it's this football and especially especially in minnesota where you know you got to win five or six games if you want to get to where every team is aspiring to i mean it's a game of attrition and and it's the next man up and it's a lot easier to do that next man up mentality in college football um but in high school football it's it's always the next man up but you might be sliding a guy over and pushing another guy in and, and removing those puzzle pieces just a little bit to try to match it all up with what we need to do. Boy, the Moorhead Spuds have, uh, it's just been a great uh, program. And, and Kevin, you went over there and then I see the work ethic, the weight room, the off season, and, and, and obviously a commitment. Obviously the numbers are, are still good. You're pumping out players that if, if they want to and choose to are going division one, division two, you name it. You know, is, is, is that fervor still, obviously it's still there, Kevin, because you know, you're just, it, it is next man up, but everybody is just one guy leaves, signs, boom, another guy comes in. You know what? And it, it's, it's been special. Like you said, the kids understand that it's not just a three month season. It's, it's really a year long thing, but we have kids that play every other sport under the sun and we've got to find ways to make sure that they can just continue to develop as athletes. And, um, you know, a guy like Elenius Davis, young man, who's going to compete for the university of Washington next year. Unfortunately, he tore his ACL and had surgery and, He's, his next moment on the field is going to be wearing purple and, and we're excited for him. We're disappointed that we didn't get him for much longer than a, than a couple of games this year. But uh, you know what, that you're always going to use those guys as the measuring sticks because, you know, Alanius was blessed with some very, very high level God given talent, but on the same token, what he did here has put himself in a position to reach that next level and how he did it here is a perfect example for a lot of our younger players that if you want to play college football, you want to play at the next level, here's the steps required, and here's where 
we've seen guys go if you do these things that we need you to do. This is a couple of minutes remaining. Kevin Feeney, head coach of the Moorhead Spuds, uh, joining us today. They've got Sartell Friday night, 7 p.m. It's a home game. Get out there and, and, and rock and roll and cheer on uh, the Spuds. It, it, you know, Derek and Brad were talking about the gauntlet you've gone through, Kevin. You talk about the challenges. And, you know, in this sport, it's so thankless because it's always a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately sport. And I look at your alma mater in high school anyway, and it, for as dominating as, as BHS has been on the North Dakota side, and Ron Wingenbach, by the way, is joining us here in a few minutes from Century, those two programs were down, and, and all of a sudden you're like an afterthought, and it's like, what have you done for me lately? Going, oh, wait a minute, here are all these championships we had. And then Century, of course, as an eight seed, picks off a one seed over there. There are no guarantees, are there, Kevin, in, in high school sport? There aren't. There aren't. I mean, shoot, you're dealing with 15, 16, 17-year-old kids. You never know what the ups and downs and the crazy things that happen to kids that either get them into a game or take them out of a game. And so I, I have followed it. My mom, obviously, living out in western North Dakota. My brother's still coaching at Bismarck Century. I, I still pay pretty close attention to it. We talk about it. And, shoot, at one point, she was like, I don't think I've ever seen Bismarck Century and Bismarck High both not win a game for this long in right. the season. And she's trying to rattle all this stuff off. And then, <laughs> shoot, next thing you know, Bismarck Century rattles off four wins in a row. And then, like you said, upsets the number one team in the state and shoot they're they're gonna be playing one game here to try to play for a state championship game so i mean it's, it's all relative but hey that's that's the momentum that you got to ride with with kids or that's the momentum thing that you got to stop with kids and, and it's hard it's, it's extremely hard and um but but that's you know what? I, I had my neighbor saying, hey, if it was really easy, then I could coach football. But that's why you're <laughs> doing that. I'm like, dude, I don't know if I know what I'm doing most of the time either, though. <laughs> we could have had Steve on today. Just could have had a Feeney hour, I think, on the Jack Michaels show today, too. <laughs> uh, final thing for you, Kevin. So uh, I know it's Tuesday, but uh, take us through it. How do, how do you beat Sartell? What has to happen on Friday night? You know, for us, it's, it's we've got to continue to be able to run the football offensively. That's, that's kind of been our staple. We've been very efficient in our passing game, and, and we've found a way to get some big plays when they present themselves. We can't go looking for them. we just got to let them happen. Um, but defensively, I think the biggest thing is we've got to contain the quarterback because the quarterback's going to drive the ship for them, and uh, we, we've got to find ways to get off the field on third down. Love these section title games, and they're all coming up this week. Obviously, the Fargo Dome is going to be just littered with some fantastic football this week as uh, as Kevin and his spuds are at home against Sartell. So I encourage you fans, get out there. Look where the lights are shining, that's, right, Brad? That's, that's the it. other thing. Most of those sections play at neutral sites. You uh, Not uh, not an 8-5-A, though, Kevin. You get uh, If you're the top seed, you get to host. Is there, has, it, has it always been that way? No, you know what? And it's funny you say that because when I first got to Minnesota, we were we were playing at neutral sites, right? And we it, it's crazy that it's Sartell that we're talking about this week because back then it was Sartell. We were playing all these neutral site games, but we were playing in St. Cloud. And I kept asking, how is this a neutral site game when we're driving to St. Cloud to play a Sartell team True. or a St. Cloud Tech team? And so we really fought hard for making the one seed worth something. And, you know, thankfully in 8A, Football for us, um, you know, we're pretty spread out. And so Bemidji was up for that. Brainerd at the time was up for it. And thankfully, it's been that way. And um, it's crazy how things work out. And thankfully, we're going to get to host a game on Friday night against the great Sartell team. Great question right there. Good stuff, uh, as always. Kevin, uh, hey, man, thanks for short notice, by the way, for uh, coming on and talking some Spuds football with us. And hopefully, you get a chance to, to chat down the line. Best of luck. Go get them on Friday night. Thanks, Kev. Hey, appreciate you guys having me on and all you guys do for high school sports, man. Thanks, buddy. Kevin Feeney, right there, head coach of the Moorhead Spuds. Good man, family. 
you know, if, if, you know, having the pleasure of growing up in Western North Dakota, you know, Phoenix have produced some fairly decent uh, athletes over there, and then the Suns have have gone on, and you know, Bob was such a uh, a pillar of of the coaching community for so many years at Bismarck High, and uh, that's all good. I uh, love this high school prep stuff. You know, we've got game Friday night, North and South. Brad's gonna get in the Wagon Queen family truckster. And uh, tool down the road. I'm happy to see how long. Well, I, I I actually went to Beulah two years ago for the Central Cast Beulah game. I like the fact that we chose that game. That that's going to be it's going to be fun. Oh, yeah, that's going to awesome. Even though it's a long road trip, I think it's going to be uh, great fun. And yeah. uh, especially Beulah with that unique offense that Jim Dooley throws out there, it'll be fun to watch that in person again. And uh, Central Cast is flying pretty high right now. I, I almost said this morning on KFGO, our brother station, we'll, uh, and I stopped short, Brad, I, to see if the, the, the slipper fits. I don't think that's, that's – uh, so I didn't say that because I, I don't think Central Cast is like an underdog of all underdogs. It's a good football team. It's, it's, very it's good a good team, team, right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Well, we'll see how this – of course, you just – you had your Super Bowl win, and now can you – Rev that up for the next week. We're all jacked up. What about Century? What about an eight seed? Yeah. Traveling over and picking off a one seed. Ron Ringenbach, uh, when we come back, it is a Tuesday edition. Jack Michael Show on 740 The Fan. It's one of those weeks. Just heard from Kevin Feeney. We mentioned with the uh, section championships in Minnesota, plenty uh, to take place at the fabulous Fargo Dome like, Thursday yeah, and Friday. I think we'll get Adam Rowland from Fargo South tomorrow. He'll join us in the noon hour. How about a little like. south-north battle, by the way? How about that civil battle that's been going on for years, and now they're back in, you know. And, and then, then the then the 11-2A, for goodness sakes. we uh, uh, Ron Wingenbach, a good friend and uh, obviously a good coach. Ron, what's all the sandbagging you were doing this year? What was that? No, I'm just kidding. Eight versus one, he gets it done. Congratulations, Wing. I guess if, if, if you want to be playing your best football come postseason time, that, that's what you want. And obviously, you guys put, uh, put a heck of a ball game together and uh, it knocked off Cheyenne 27-8. to eight. And here you go, a date with Davies. How are you doing today, Coach? Not too bad, Jack. Uh, good to have you Good to hear your voice again here on the on the on the phone. Well, it's it's great to hear you and talk a little a little football on this. We I mentioned we were just talking with with Kevin uh, about his spuds. They're in action in their section title game, and then we were referencing his old school Bismarck and then in Century and how it's kind of odd with the you know the the capital city kids there that used to be the the big big boys on the block this year have not been one of those seasons. And it is high school for goodness sake. Things like this happen, but you guys certainly have found a way, Ron, to. To I don't want to say right the ship, but certainly play better football, huh? Yeah, I think that's uh, probably a very good way of putting it. Uh, I, I think if you look back at our, about our last uh, four or five games on the defensive side, I think we're only averaging giving up between uh, ten and twelve points a game, and and that should be you know in high school uh, a, a a scenario where at least you're competitive. Uh, as you look at the games before that, that wasn't necessarily the case. You know, we, we got blown out pretty good by Mandan and uh, Cheyenne in our first meeting. And um, we didn't do the things necessary to win against uh, West Fargo, Shanley, and Minot. And consequently, you know, we're looking at 0-5 and, 5 and uh, realize that, you know, even with the QRF formula, that uh, those last four games are going to be pretty important. And uh, fortunately, we were able to come out on the top end of three of them and, and get into the tournament. And it's kind of like basketball. You can't win it if you're not in it. Right. And so it's uh, football is kind of the same boat. So uh, with that being said, though, I, th- I thought our kids really rallied well last Friday. Uh, uh, y- y- you know, we always uh, kind of hang our hat on our defense a little bit. And 
And uh, we have kind of a formula where we count the number of turnovers, um, three and outs, and, and loss on downs. Uh, if we can get to the number six, we feel we're, we're, we're going to be right there at the end. And uh, I think at the end of the game, we were at a, a 12. So wow. uh, those type of things, you know, you, you should win the football game. And, and uh, fortunately, our defense really set our offense up with some short fields. And uh, uh, when that happens in high school, uh, you know, you have a real good chance to win. You know, and it showed itself, obviously, against West Fargo Cheyenne. When we talk about, you know, resurrecting a season, uh, there, there might be either a, a game or two that, that stands out where a line was drawn. Maybe, maybe maybe you got healthier. I'm not sure how injured you were this year, uh, Coach. But, uh, you know, was there a game? Uh, was what you're selling finally uh, sunk in and, and and the guys bought more into it? What what was the resurrection, so to speak? Was there one point in time? Well, I think uh, the, the legacy game, you know, when we played them, uh, I think if memory serves me right, they were ranked number five in the state, and uh, they were on a, a pretty good run themselves. And, and we came into that game and, and put up uh, almost 350 yards total offense, and we, we beat them 20 to nothing. And I think it, just the, the emotional uh, aspect of the game and the fact that, you know, it's a big inner city rival and, and we came out on top 20 to nothing uh, kind of turned the tide and at least, uh, you know, gave the kids some – some air about themselves that you know within the next week we have to, to face a, a very good Davies team and and uh, you know we battled them tough but again kind of the the thing that uh, haunted us early in the season kind of reared its ugly head again and we gave up some big plays and didn't tackle well at times and, and consequently we lost that game but at least I, I think that game kind of set the tone for the remainder of the season. I was looking at just looking at some numbers from that first game. You were tied at halftime in that one, but yeah, I was looking. I think Mason Claybo had eleven completions, two hundred seventy yards. So there was obviously too many big plays that uh, that were the difference in that game for you. That's exactly right. And uh, you know, even our, our defensive uh, personnel, uh, we had we had great coverage on a couple of those, and there there was a couple of plays where it was just a real special offensive play, whether it be the pass or the catch. Uh, you know, Ray Brown's a heck of a receiver. And, and they just did a lot of things right, especially in that second half. And, and in fact, we're we're leading going into the fourth quarter. I think we're up twenty to nineteen, and uh, we had opportunities earlier in that game to put some points on the board and didn't capitalize. So, you know, those things come back to bite you. It's not only at the high school, the collegiate, or the NFL. It's it's football in general, and uh, that's what happens. So we we got to clean those things up if we're going to be competitive Friday night. And when you play a team that you've played already, uh, Coach, uh, uh, simple to go back to that film, correct the mistakes you made, and now let's make it a game, or is it a little more complex than that, Ron, heading into, heading into this one? Well, a lot of times, too, it depends on when you played them. We're only three weeks removed, I believe, from playing them. So, you know, there's not a lot that perhaps neither team is going to do differently. Uh, I think you can tweak a few things here and there. But, uh, you know, for the most part, uh, defensively, that their front seven is as good as we've seen all year. And uh, certainly then you put uh, some of that speed in that secondary. So defensively, they're, they're a very formidable defense. And then offensively, uh, it all starts with Claybo, and they've got some excellent runners up front, uh, a couple of uh, very good outstanding offensive linemen. So they kind of got the whole package. Uh, you got to kind of pick and choose a little bit uh, where you think you can uh, schematically get an edge up on them, either offense or defensively, and hope punch them, put some points on the board somewhere. Well, they're just so versatile. I mean, uh, you can they use luck to different, a lot of different ways, and Lorenz and what Clayball can do just as a, as you know as a runner and a passer. I mean, that's uh, 
that's got to be tough to match up with. I mean, just schematically, you got to you got to prepare for a lot of different looks. Yeah, it is, and uh, you know what they like to do offensively is is based a little bit out of the out of the wing piece principles, and then they've added the shotgun onto it. I mean, just a lot of different looks that they give you. I guess the one the one thing as a staff we were kind of talking about a little bit is they do run a few of the same type of. Uh, commonalities, if you will, on offense that Cheyenne did. So at least you kind of have that already prepared or at least on paper for the kids. Ron Wingenbach, head coach of the Bismarck Century Patriots. Always nice to have him on. You know, Ron, you've been around, you've been at this for, for a while now. And, and uh, I know maybe Bismarck, you know, uh, located where you are, maybe the travel is as much as, say, a Minot with this schedule now that you have. But but there's travel involved. Uh, you like? I mean, it, it got a good feel to you, coach, when you're going east and west? Well, this is the fifth trip to Fargo, so when we get uh, get home Saturday, we'll have uh, about 2,000 miles uh, just going to Fargo. That doesn't include traveling to Minot, which we did. And, and so uh, uh, let's put it this way. The interstate is, has been kind to us. So uh, uh, we, know, we know the interstate well, especially going east. So uh, we hope to can do it. We can do it Friday for sure, and then hopefully maybe one more time. I was telling Brad about this too because uh, you know it says something about that. No one, no one was feeling sorry for Century High uh, having the record that you did all this year because you know Century won it in twenty twenty, won it in twenty nineteen. You know, in the title game in twenty eighteen, won it in twenty sixteen, won it in twenty fifteen, title game in twenty twelve. Over that, but you know what? It is, it is that thing, Ron. Every year is new. And, there, and we were telling Kevin Feeney this, there are absolutely zero guarantees in this game, are there? That's correct. And uh, by the way, I have not received one sympathy card. Just, just <laughs> right. I, I didn't expect uh, that you would, no. <laughs> no, but uh, you're right. And, and, and you, you know, you're coaching 16, 17, 18-year-old kids. And, um, you know, I, I guess the one thing I'm, I'm really proud of is that this bunch is, you know, they kind of hung in there and, they didn't feel good about themselves at being 0-5, and staff didn't. And, and I think uh, the fact that we just kind of hung in there and, and there was some uh, light at the end of the tunnel, you know, four or five games ago, and, and we kind of kept building on that. And, the, and then the, the confidence thing is so huge in high school and uh, just real proud of the way they played last Friday night. Ron, before we let you go, and we appreciate it, we got a call yesterday. Someone called in and asked about Mandan. And uh, since you're here, just take your take your century hat. I'd just be an analyst for a second. Mandan and Shanley, how tough are you? You mentioned earlier, you know, they, they put a 30-13 uh, a score on you. How good is Mandan? Brad, you had the game in Shanley, so you know what Shanley can do. But but how, what, what's Shanley up against uh, with that Mandan club, Rod? One thing about Mandan this year, they remind me a lot of our, 20, uh, our 2020 club. They have excellent size. And then uh, – with that size, they got a great tailback. And uh, Mr. Wiseman, uh, he's as good as any. And then you put the two speed burners on the outside. Quarterback's got a great arm. They, they kind of have a little bit of everything. Mm. And I think the one thing that gets overlooked a little bit is defensively, they can put that size up against you as well. So it's going to be an interesting game with Shanley. It's kind of a tale of two cities. I'm, I'm sure Shanley wants to throw the ball. And, and I would venture to say Mandan's going to try to at least control the ground game a little bit more. And uh, But, boy, two good football teams going to go at her uh, Friday night there in Mandan. Boy, he nailed it too, didn't he, Brad? I don't know if that's going to be a 49-40 game or a 20-19 to game. On I, the... I can tell you one of the first things that Troy Matter looks at is the weather forecast. <laughs> <laughs> I can confirm that because I, right I asked him that question last Friday.
<laughs> yep, I, I agree. And I think Mandan says they would like wind, snow, rain, sleep. That would uh, be fine for them. <laughs> Troy wants sunshine, no wind. He wants calm, calm, and calm in about 45. Yes. Uh, Winger, yep. you, you did it again. Pulled off a heck of a victory last week. So uh, good for you. And uh, best of luck this week. And I know that there are two really good programs there going toe-to-toe with, with the storied history. Ron, it is. It, it's good to hear your voice, too, my friend. And we, we won't be a stranger. We'll, uh, we'll connect again soon. Thanks for the time today, Coach, and good luck this weekend. Thanks for having me on the show, Jack. You got it. Ron Wingenbach, head coach of the Bismarck Century Patriots, joining us today. That's good insight right there, Brad. That's a, we got a little, little insight right there. Like it. You yeah, ready to pick a game yet? You ready to pick any winners? Not yet. Not yet. Okay. No, not yet. I didn't yet. want to tap your brain just yet because not you're yet. fresh from calling that Shanley game, which they were very impressive. Mm-hmm. But now that Ron talks about what Mandan has. Well, turnovers killed Shanley the first time around against Mandan, that, especially in the, the first thing. half. Yeah. So, I mean, that uh, we'll, we'll see how that rolls up. Uh, as we mentioned, lots going on. And not, not the least of being, uh, you know, there's some prep volleyball that's going on. So we've got some, some uh, section semis on the Minnesota side of things this week the uh, region one pairings came out officially today yes uh the edc will come out and they've got playing matches i know this weekend they'll finish up regular season tonight region one you'll have playing matches on friday uh bottom eight seeds enderlin at sergeant county tri-state at winemere lidgerwood lisbon at hankinson and richland at maple river top four seeds get buys they are in uh Order from one to four, Northern Cast, Central Cast, Kindred, and Oak Grove. Hmm. The Jags trying to make it three uh, region titles in a row. This date, 1959, Jacques Plante, hopefully I nailed that, Brad, of the Montreal Canadiens mm-hmm. became the first goaltender in the National Hockey League to wear a mask. It wasn't Gump Worsley. <laughs> Gumper was uh, Gumper didn't do that. The, uh, the I was reading up on Jacques Plant. You know, he was like in his local uh, rink there, and a bunch of the older guys that were getting paid a couple of dollars to to play. He was like twelve years old, and maybe a little bit older. That the, the, the goaltender either got taken out or got injured or pulled out, and Jacques Plant came in there, and then all of a sudden he becomes the talk of the town. Right? He's he's knocking knocking pucks away, and he's making saves, and they're talking about him, but they weren't paying him. Mm-hmm. And I think his dad said, yeah, you need to go back to Those other guys are getting a little stipend. And so he was getting like 50, 50 cents a game or something. <laughs> just a ridiculous number. <laughs> but then as he kind of got a little bit older and paying, he started getting paid like 80 bucks a game or a week or something like this, where back in that day was a pretty good payment. And, of course, the rest is, is – 80 is, bucks less than a long time back then. I mean, Eighty bucks and fifty nine. Not so much it's, anymore. Not so much anymore. But it was a, it's a great story. And then he went on to you know, Hall of Fame uh, career. And then you know he's wearing that mask. And so you know he's he's stepping out in front of the goal. He's 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 step, you know. So it's it was a great story. I was doing that. This day, nineteen thirteen, Notre Dame defeated Army thirty five thirteen. So nineteen thirteen, it was the first time the forward pass was used as a, as a main offensive weapon in football. Do you think that? Brad, and I know we're up against the clock, is the single biggest impact in sport across the board in any sport, the forward pass in football? Well, if we're going that far back, that's I would say probably. Or do you think the three-point line uh, in basketball well, I was going to say the three-point shot has to be up there somewhere in the, uh, 
we might somewhere have, up on the list. We might have to we might have to touch that topic here coming up on the show. I'm curious what folks think. Thanks to Kevin Feeney today and to uh, Ron Wingenbach joining us today. A little football chatter. Stick around. Common Man is coming up next. World Series. Tonight, game, game three. three. Yeah. yeah, we'll have game three tonight, game five on Thursday, probably game six Saturday, too. Comment is next on the fan, KNFL.